millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Frank Alain James Leboeuf, born in Marseille, France on the 22nd of January 1968. Um, I've got two questions for you. What was life like growing up in France and where does James come from? <laughs> and uh, uh, My uncle was a, a crazy Western uh, viewers, you know, when uh, when uh, when he was young and uh, and he called his two sons Jeff and James and I guess I got my cousin's name, you know, and James. But okay. I'm happy. It's Frank Alain James Leboeuf. <laughs> okay, tell, tell us, uh, you, you grew up in a village, I've got the name here in front of me, I hope my French will stand up to it, uh, Saint-Cyr-sur-Mer. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, Saint-Cyr-sur-Mer is close to, is between Marseille and Toulon in south of France, and it's, uh, it's a s- small village where I grew up, and it was nice because uh, the school was next to the uh, football pitch, and, uh, and th- that was my life, you know, going to school and then playing football and with my friends and my uh, schoolmates. Tell us about your mum and dad. Um, my uh, father was a, a plumber at first, then he became an engineer, uh, having his own small comp- uh, industry, and uh, and he, he worked hard, but uh, he became a, a big man in the business, and my mother was uh, his secretary, So, and I have two brothers. What are uh, they called? Cherry and Eric, and, uh, and we all played football, of course. <laughs> well, you say, of course. Now, I, I, before we came on air, I'm going to start this very early. When France won the 1998 World Cup, I was bewildered. I was so shocked because despite knowing about Jus Fontaine in the 1950s and seeing the great Saint-Étienne team of the, uh, with Platini, Rocheteau, etc., to me, France was not a football country. The, the, <laughs> really? The European football countries are England, Scotland, Hungary, Spain, Germany, uh, and maybe Portugal. That's it. Italy, but, of course. But, uh, but So tell me, I mean, I can't... Im- I, I thought maybe they didn't even play football in France. Um, I know they play rugby. Uh, yeah, we yeah, don't, play, skiing, cr- we don't play cricket, by yeah. the way. No, you don't play cricket. No, 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 okay. So football, for you, you say at school, you, you, it was like growing up, I presume, in Britain. You played football from the moment the sun... Finished school till the sun went down. That's what it was. Uh, it's uh, it's the main sport in France, and uh, and uh, of course, you know, television and newspapers and media's in general weren't what it is right now. And uh, for us as well, you know, watching a f- English football game was pretty rare. We had the chance to watch the uh, FA Cup final. That was the only game we could watch per year. So, uh, like when I signed for Chelsea, I didn't know what Chelsea was because I never came to England before, and and I thought it was an, another town, you know. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and I'm pretty educated, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it's what it was. But uh, yeah, football was my life. I wanted to be an actor when I was four years old, but my father uh, played for Stade de Reims uh, when he was younger, okay. you know, under uh, 
he was young when Copa ended up his uh, his career at Rennes, and uh, he, he created the the club in Saint-Cyr-sur-Mer in my village, and took care of us, my brothers and I, uh, to uh, to train and became my coach for like ten years before I, I joined uh, an academy, uh, which was uh, we'll come on to it was Laval. Laval, well, Laval was my first club. Uh, professional club, yeah. Who were, who were your sporting heroes when you were growing up? Can you remember? Well, yes. Which club did you support? Marseille, I presume. Uh, right? No, I didn't oh, support oh. any team. I never okay. asked for an autograph. Uh, uh, I, no, I, ju- I only realised that it could it could be a career in football uh, at around 15 years old. What, uh, did, what did you plan to be before then? Uh, I wanted to be a vet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I wanted to be an actor before, you know. But uh, because I was living in a small village, everything was for me like a dream it was almost impossible because it was mostly in America or in Paris that you could be an actor and not in from Saint-Cyr-sur-Mer why did you I mean we're going to talk later on the show about your acting career and we, we'll, we'll actually hear from somebody who can confirm you've been to Hollywood <laughs> um, why, why did you want to be an actor what was it about that? who was it inspired you or what was it inspired you to want to be an actor Frank? well m- my mother was watching lots of movies and we were going to uh, theatres a lot and uh, I was really Impressed by uh, but what I could see and French I, movies, I think. Fr- yeah, well, French or American, American yeah. movies, and um, and I say to my mother, I was four years old. I said, "What I want, to see what I want to do," but there weren't any theater courses around my place, and uh, that 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 aim or that goal became just a dream and a fantasy, yeah. and. Uh, but uh, but I dreamt about it, and uh, and it's why I wanted to do it, and I, I decided to do it after my uh, football career. Okay, well you've done it very seriously, and uh, I saw you. I saw Vinnie Jones the other day in uh, in a very good thing called Elementary, uh, elementary uh, with with Johnny Lee Miller and uh, Lucy Liu. Um, he's done it, and of course we see Eric now all the time, don't we? Eric Cantona doing that 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 advert he's currently doing for beer. I don't know how good the acting is, but it's very funny. It's very good. It's very yeah. good, and Vinnie as well. And uh, but you know, you talked about Vinnie, Eric. My time is about to come up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, abso- absolutely. So um, you 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 then make progress as a footballer. Tell us about the lower leagues in France, because we mentioned Laval. I don't know where Laval. Just like you don't know where Chelsea is, I'm not sure where Laval is. Um, uh, Laval is uh, at the edge of Brittany, uh, and uh, my, my geography of France. France is either if they have a big football team I've probably been there to see football or if there was a battle there in the first or second world war I know where they are but Laval has not mo- come, come it's 50 my miles mind. away from Rennes right and uh, and it's uh, it, they were in the uh, league one you know in uh, 88 89 mm-hmm. and then they, they went down and they are in a, in a First division, you would you would yeah. say in England. Uh, so so it's a small city, it's fifty thousand people. But you'd obviously become a good footballer, and this was the step to make professional become a professional footballer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, and uh, I had the chance uh, to to play for that team for two and a half years, and then uh, move move to Strasbourg for five and a half years before going to have uh, you, Chelsea. Have you always been? A, well, come on, to that. have you have you always been a defender? No, no, I I played uh, I played all position, and my first game I was four. Uh, and a half years I played goalkeeper and uh, I w- uh, we lost 2-1 and uh, I was on the line and the ball went too high and I couldn't catch it <laughs> I say I, okay it's not for me and, and nowadays I mean there was a time when you when you were a professional player where people would say Frank Leboeuf oh he's a sweeper 
But now, now that position doesn't exist. It's like someone who used to light, light the lamps in the street. There's no such thing as a sweeper yeah, anymore. I'm only a sweeper at home now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, it's true. It doesn't exist anymore. It's like uh, it's like the old-fashioned football kind of thing. Uh, but it was nice. It was a, a leadership position uh, where you you take off uh, the nine other players. But the the goalkeeper and it's uh, it was a very nice position. I had no voice at the end of a game. Did you did you when you were that age and you were playing at Laval? Obviously, everybody dreams. Did you know that you were going to be a top player? I mean, you can't imagine that you, you maybe you did dream of winning the World Cup. I don't know. Um, did you know you were going to be a top player? Well, uh, a friend of mine uh, told me like. 10 years after because I signed in 88 that in 89 as I told her uh, you know one day I will be a champion of the world which was completely lunatic when you're when you're French because and we never no won anything. in France yeah <laughs> exactly and uh, she reminded me that after winning the World Cup and so I guess I was very ambitious uh, a kind of a dreamer but uh, yeah I always thought you know I could uh, because of my not because of my talent but because of uh, my heart and my head that I could reach the top and I never I, I always been really respectful towards other players like Laurent Blanc, Marcel Desailly but in my head I never thought they were better than me because he, he helped me uh, getting stronger and stronger in fact. So Frank in 1991 um, you left Laval for Strasbourg now again let's re- Strasbourg is in Alsace or Lorraine one of those <laughs> it's, yeah. Alsace. it's Alsace yeah. yeah. Metz is Lorraine yeah exactly uh, okay, I've got to remember well the two done. capitals yeah, <laughs> thank you very much um, a different kind of part of France and uh, a different kind of club what kind of club is, is Strasbourg well at the time it was a, a big club but being in a in a second division in first yeah. division in England you would say yeah. but uh, it's uh, in the championship it was league two yeah at the time, it's a yeah. league two yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, but it was a big club with uh, big facilities and it was it was ambitious to go there to go back up and try to uh, to make Strasbourg a big club it's what we did but it didn't last <laughs> no um, and what about uh, the, that part of France what, what, was it nice to live there is it a good place to live it's a uh, it's very nice place it's a very nice place to live it, people are very very nice very hard workers uh, it's, uh, it's a special culture you know uh, just to explain to people Alsace and Lorraine are the, the part of that part of South Eastern France, which the Germans and the France have fought oh, over for generations. Yeah, that uh, th- you don't say to Alsatians no. that they are German because no. they get very upset. But, uh, but but they have you know Alsen Wenger, I think is exactly. Alsace. From but, Alsace. It, but Wenger is a German-looking name, and so because there <laughs> yeah. is a there is a there is a crossover between two cultures there. Oh, yeah? definitely. You have to know that uh, uh, in in 1945, where when the the Allies came to uh, to save France uh, uh, with the resistance, they 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 ger- they were uh, liberated at one point then the Allies had to go back up north to uh, to save the north of France and the German came back to Alsace right? for like two months and uh, so they had to be liberated again so it's a big nightmare for them and uh, a long lot of stories you know about Alsace and Lorraine um, and w- so you, in fact you just say that when you moved to Strasbourg um, the club was in the second division of, of, of French football mm. um, promoted in 1991-92 yeah good team uh, yeah, v- very good team you know uh, very ambitious v- uh, it, it's the Marseille of the northeast of France is what they say you know because of uh, lots of controversy uh, political uh, aspect of the club and, and also the fans who are completely crazy love football and uh, well I started in the in league two uh, and uh, we've been promoted in 1993 in fact and uh, and we played European Cup against Milan AC Milan and then uh, I played with the national team for my last game so it was big 
big five years for me uh, of football, and uh, I will never forget that team. I mean, and because of, most of the people listening will probably be British, um, no doubt because of the internet, it could be any, anywhere. But um, when people say, and then I move to this club or that club on the show, normally I can then envisage them in their, or I can see them in their club kit. What colours do Strasbourg wear? I was blue and white. Uh-huh. <laughs> I almost played only in blue and white with uh, with Chelsea, Marseille, and, and, and France. And Strasbourg and France, yeah. Okay. So I guess blue, Laval? blue is my color. Yeah, Laval. And no, Laval was orange. Orange. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. A good color for football clubs. Um, you you, uh, you in, during your time with in, in, with Strasbourg, um, you say you promoted in 1991, 92. Finished in mid-table, 92-93, that's pretty good. And the club was obviously progressing in those days because you made the cup final in 1995, yeah? Yes, against Paris Saint-Germain. But, uh, but unlike uh, Wembley, where it's a kind of a neutral uh, stadium, we had to play at the Parc des Princes, so we, they play at home. And they were a bigger team, you know. There are lots of big players like David Ginola, George Weah at the time. So it was already a success for, for us to be in final. Um, well, I mean, they had Lama, the goalkeeper, yeah, I remember exactly. playing for France as well. I'm just looking at their team here. Yeah. Um, Paul Le Guin, Paul Le Guin was yeah. in the team. Uh, Remy Gard? Was that uh, Remy? No, Remy no, was uh, playing with us. I was with you, sorry. I'm yeah. looking at your team sheet now. <laughs> yeah, Remy Gard, who's now going to be a top manager, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, a very bright person, played midfield uh, and uh, uh, always being a link a little bit a part of the football system uh, because of his education, I guess, you know, and a uh, very bright guy, uh, where, a very good coach. Where is he manager now? Lyon. Yeah, and Lyon. there's a lot of talk, isn't there, that um, he could be the next Arsenal manager, depending on what Arsene Wenger wants well, to do. Well, he has a big background for Arsenal, and uh, I know if uh, somebody has to come, you know, he knows very well the house uh, at, uh, at Arsenal. Okay, um, I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying. To, but you lost that cup final. Yes, that's my only cup final that I lost. In fact, and uh, I'm still resentful to <laughs> to it. It is a bit strange that you do have to play the game at the home side of, a, of, a, of the other team. Yeah? That was completely unfair, you know. And uh, but it's why we all ate the, the capital, the Parisians. <laughs> but to be fair, Frank, Chelsea showed last year you came in the Champions League final. You can win on the home ground of the other team. Yeah, but Chelsea's a big club. Strasbourg <laughs> wasn't at the time. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned then as well because off the back of that um, cup uh, defeat uh, in, 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 in against Paris, um, you do go into the Intertoto Cup in the summer of '75, which you must have done okay in because you then qualify for the UEFA Cup, and I guess your first experiment with uh, with European football. Um, I think I've got to hear the note in front of me. I'm always struggling with this Hungarian team. I think they're called Wipesh Doja. I think is how you pronounce this. Yes, yeah, Wipesh. Yes, it exactly. looks in both English and French. It looks like a difficult word to pronounce. <laughs> and then you played against AC Milan. That's your first taste of really big time football. Yeah, I think I it was the quarterfinal or something like that. Mm-hmm, uh, not, mm-hmm. not, not maybe, but the the last 16 maybe uh, of the uh, UEFA Cup. And it was a big day for for Strasbourg and uh, and quite kind of an achievement for, for the club and the, and also the players uh, it gave me the taste of uh, Europe and uh, and the Bosman rule came up uh, the year after and gave a chance to uh, to French players uh, like now we see in Newcastle for example before Arsenal that uh, French people like to be exported <laughs> what do you make of what's going on at Newcastle Frank like uh, you know it's very strange feeling that you feel like uh, 
we are really cheap, <laughs> so it's easy <laughs> to hire us. And uh, but I saw Kabay yesterday scoring a fantastic goal. Oh, no, he's a great player. And he's probably, say, yeah. probably just about coming to be a great. Oh player, no, he's Kabay. already for me a big player. And uh, I think Alex Pardew, uh, Alan Pardew, mm. sorry, is a is a very clever person because uh, the player he picked are very very good players. And um, and uh, of course, it's strange to see too many French people in the Geordie's town, you know. But uh, but. D- 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 Football is international now. Right. Now, I know the world has changed and because we see all the Premier League and all the rest of it. When you said, and this is not a million years ago, and we'll talk about it in just a second, you'll come to this country, you didn't know where Chelsea was. Yeah. Do you think all these French guys know anything about Newcastle before they go there? Yeah, they, Do they think it's in London? Do they think it's sunny? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think they know where they're going now because because players like David Ginola, Eric Cantona, and myself, I was the third one. Uh, well, there was DJ Six on this. DDA Six by Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But... Uh, but in the new era, we were the first, you know, and uh, and we created. Uh, I a told fo- you, Frank, we didn't know there was any football in France. That's why we had no French players. No, you <laughs> didn't know, <laughs> but some people knew, and they were to they went to pick us up. But but it's true that now everybody knows because sure. football is international. The Premier League is the best league in the world, so everybody has an eye on it. Although and- although there are no unless Arsenal do something extraordinary in the next week, uh, there are no uh, English teams in the last eight of the. I'm being told the Premier League is the best in the world they yes but, but uh, I have to say that for the first time I will have to defend Man United but what happened last uh, last Wednesday or yeah. last Tuesday uh, against uh, Real Madrid was really appalling that's not ascending off uh, is I, it? I switched off the TV I switched off the TV because I, I, I knew the game was over and I said to my son they're going to die they're going to die they're going to be out and it's what happened because that's not fair it's that's fascinating because I spoke to Lou Macari the ex-Manchester United um, player and he said the same thing he knew the game was over because the pitch Old Trafford is so big mm. that if you've got a decent manager uh, with the team with 11 men will mm. always win because you can't defend you could, he said you might defend that at West Ham you won't defend with that's well. that's the pity of it you know because Champions League is such a big competition and uh, and, 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 and I want to I don't want to hammer referees because it's hard for them uh, but as long as we don't have the chance of being helped for them to being technology to be it, technology as they to could be have there. looked at that in 15 seconds yeah. and it would have all been over they said a yellow card possibly yeah. if that I watched uh, Ireland against France you know and uh, they use videos to make sure that they don't make mistakes and even with the that rugby, yeah. They, they, yeah the rugby yeah, yeah. game and they, they still make mistakes France, so imagine very lucky to get a draw I thought. yeah well the last uh, second <laughs> very you know, very lucky yeah. it was very controversial but at the end of the day they use it so yeah. why don't we do the same it will take like 10 seconds I talked to Michel Platini about that say yeah but when do you start the video I'm when glad you, you know Platini because he's one of the, the, the FIFA and UEFA people they're the people who are holding it back they've got to I mean I know they want to protect their referees but the game is more important than the referee well maybe we must get it right yeah I think it's just to help three or four men you know uh, uh, struggling with situation this high for an eye uh, simple eye to see and uh, or even a couple of eyes to see it's uh, they have to be helped because uh, one day something will happen uh, because of the amount of pressure everybody has, you know, financially, but also the fans and everything. Something bad will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah because you know, uh, Manchester could have been very, f- could have gone very far in that competition. Sure. And f- because for one mistake, uh, everything's over. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Listen, we've got so much to talk about and in, 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 concerning Chelsea and France and the rest of the show. So in, in, you're playing for Strasbourg, and in the summer of 1996, and come on about how you got in the French team and all that, yeah. um, you signed for Chelsea. As I say, you know nothing about Chelsea. I don't blame you. I mean, because, you know, London, for instance, you'd think, you know, because of the way France is, Paris has one big football team. London yeah. sustains 13 professional yeah, that, teams. That, that, that's unbelievable. Buenos Aires even more, you know. Yeah. But, so London is a, a so. How did you sign for Chelsea? How did that come about? Well, I was. Uh, we were in, at Liverpool uh, for the European Championship and uh, with the French national team. And, I, and suddenly, I received a, a phone call from Graham Ricks, uh, was the uh, was Ridgely's assistant at Chelsea, and uh, because he played for Caen, he, sp- he spoke French. And he said, "Well, I, um, you know, I." Ridgely wants to hire you and for me Ridgely was the Ballon d'Or was uh, a legend that that Dutch team oh my god <laughs> and uh, so I, I checked on the internet to see uh, the players involved with uh, Chelsea and I saw Marcus Dan Petrescu Dimitri Karin uh, so many good players Denis Wise and uh, and I I so uh, I saw players they were about to to sign and Viali signed and I said okay let's go for it I wanted to leave Strasbourg and um, and they like a week after I was the record signing with 2.5 million pounds which is hilarious right now let me ask you a personal question did it mean a huge leap in the money you earned as well coming to England well uh, not too much the first year it was Ken, it's why Ken Bates, Ken Bates said I was the bargain of the century and then the day after I knock at his door and I say okay you have to give me more because you have to stop teasing me on the, in newspapers so it doubled my wage <laughs> Frank it's hard now to remember Chelsea even I mean, we're not talking about a million years ago, but it's, it's pre-Abramovich. Um, although exactly. they, they were, they, you know, Chelsea now is all about Abramovich in many, many ways. You know, that that's the fact of the thing. Um, then it was Ken Bates and Matthew Harding was putting money into the club. When you joined them in that summer of 1996, did you think, did you know that they were on the verge of something special or what, what was your feeling? Can you remember back that far? Well, I have to say that uh, I had offers from uh, from sp- from Spain or Italy and I really wanted to Which come clubs? to England. Which can you remember? Uh, it was Fiorentina and I guess it was Seville in, uh, in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah good clubs. but Warmer clubs. I, but I wanted to come to England for especially 
two reasons, because I loved the English football, but also because uh, I wanted to learn English and I wanted my kids to be fluent in English because I think in our society, uh, and lucky <laughs> lucky you, uh, you have to speak English, otherwise you're lost. And, uh, you and that's, that's become, with the internet, that's become, bizarrely, it's become even more the world's oh, language, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, it's a business uh, language and you have to know it, otherwise you, you, you are dis- yeah, disadvantaged. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and so I... I, I I signed for that club not knowing anything about the history of the club uh, but feeling that you know it was uh, meant to be and that I had to try and it was fantastic because uh, it, it started I think the new era and if I, if uh, the Abramovich team uh, became so successful because we, we we put them on the right track and uh, we started to win stuff where Chelsea didn't win anything for 25 years it's why we had a beautiful FA Cup final with the good very nice celebration the day after on Fulham Road uh, with I think 100,000 people because uh, at the time Chelsea fans were very hungry and angry we're not winning anything and 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 after you know everything came up you know very quickly yeah no uh, of course I, I mean luckily I, I'm uh, say luckily uh, I don't like to say it too much but I remember the, the last the previous great Chelsea team in the early 70s yeah Osgood and Hudson and all those mm-hmm. they had a, they had a they had a brilliant team in the early 70s and then it did fade away what was Rude Hullet like as a manager it was it was absolutely fantastic I remember uh it was Zola first game and I was injured and uh, it was at Blackburn and I I called him after the game to uh, to see how uh, Zola played and how was the team and he said oh, the team was fantastic and Gianfranco had a very good game and he said how do you feel and I said well you know I'm injured and I, I feel frustrated right now and he said you know what do you do tonight I said well I'm staying at home because I think my coach my <laughs> will be very upset if I go out he said well your coach says you know uh, 9 p.m. at the restaurant and after we go for a drink that was ridiculous you know <laughs> and uh, and it was fantastic when he was sacked you know I went to his place and even if I was big friend with Gianluca Viali it was a very awkward situation for me when I had to in fact, choose between two friends. But uh, Gullit was the guy who made me, who picked me, and I will never forget that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he also, as you say, two months later, uh, after you signed there, I think in the November, yep. actually, um, they get uh, four and a half million pounds from Palmer, Gianfranco Zola, who you mentioned there. Mm. Later on the show, I'm going to ask you who the best players best player was you ever played with he may not be the best player you ever played with but he can't be far short can he he is one of the best you know I, I will pick somebody else when you will ask me but uh, but it's true that Gianfranco was absolutely tremendous and uh, and such a nice fellow he he, he, he was very humble uh, and um, really a Sardinian type of guy low profile but doing his best for the club always smiling and uh, and he was simply fantastic I mean, it's hard to remember now that he he didn't play a full season. He started in November, but he was still footballer of the year. By the time the football writers came around in May, he was recognised as the best player in this country. Um, are you surprised that he? Because you say, I mean, I, he was all very quiet and smiling. Are you surprised that he's turning out to be such a good coach and manager? Yes, a little bit, you know, yeah, uh, and it's true. It's true that his impact was immediate, but but uh, but yeah, I thought he will go back to his place. He is really fond of golf, so I thought he will, you know, enjoy the sun and the golf and his family because he's a real family guy. But uh, he decided to stay in England, and um, and I think everybody in his career think that at some point he has to give back uh, to what football uh, uh, give them, and 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 and. 
I think Gianfranco just want to to give what uh, what made me the the, the best, best man on earth maybe uh, is football. Yeah, well, I must. Have. So let's let's talk then about your your arrival in English football. Um, actually, you had a very hard act to follow, given that you were a kind of footballing centre half. Let's call it that rather than a sweeper. Mm-hmm. The two players who had immediately preceded you in that position at Chelsea were Rude Hullet and Glenn Hoddle. Um, arguably two of the best five players I've ever seen play the game. Um, so you had a lot to... Do you remember what you thought about English football when you got him? Everyone always talks about the physicality of it. Was that a problem? Or what did you, what did you, you, no. made, your, you made your debut in Stanley... Uh, let me get this right. On August the 16th, 1966, a nil-nil draw with Southampton at the Old Dell. Yeah, I have to say that uh, when the, when I was on the Southampton pitch uh, uh, and the referee blew the, the whistle to call the two captains and the, the two uh, fans, the two fans... You know, yeah. got crazy a minute before, and I looked at them and I said, "What's going on? You know, nothing happens right now. Happen is happening right now." And I, and I had to slap myself because I was a fan, I was a spectator, and I said, "No, I'm an actor, so I have to go there." And so I slapped myself. So now wake up because Matthew Letizia is going to do something against you. And uh, and so uh, it was a, a nice beginning. And uh, I have to say, my I, I started pretty well because I scored goals uh, on the third game, I think, against Coventry, and we we kept some clean sheet ver- immediately. So the impact was uh, was um, uh, was immediate too. And your impact uh, in English football as a team is immediate because in that first season, you win the FA Cup. That was absolutely great. What do you remember? I mean, on the way to Wembley, you you beat uh, uh, West Bromwich Albion, Liverpool, Leicester after a replay, Portsmouth and Wimbledon. Which of those games sticks out in your mind? Uh, It's definitely Liverpool at home because we are losing 2-0 half-time and uh, it was the game of the year for, 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 for the fans. And it was amazing how we came back. And uh, I remember seeing uh, Liverpool fans on, in tears after the game. And it was a very English weather, raining, windy. And uh, and we stayed there, you know, and, and it was a very nice feeling at the end of the game. Tell me about that famous final in 1997, FA Cup final at Wembley. As you said earlier on, I think I got the flavour that the game you knew from English football as a boy growing up, um, was the FA Cup final? Here you are playing in it. it it's absolutely great, you know. Uh, some, you know, people. There was a show. Uh, they think it's all over when I, I was keeping saying I won the World Cup. I won the World Cup. But in my mind, in uh, it always, I always struggled to, to. Uh, to uh, to find which uh, game was the most important for me in my life uh, between the Walker final and the FA Cup final because it was my first trophy and the celebration with the fans was absolutely fantastic and uh, and I always always remember you know going out of the dressing room seeing that tunnel you know going up uh, and going out of the of the the tunnel and you see the fan the crowd and the God you hear of the the God save the the Queen you have the goosebumps you know it's crazy it's absolutely crazy you are another planet you're in levitation it's fantastic I would never forget that and it does help if you can get a goal in the first 40 seconds yeah thank you Roberto <laughs> thank you very much Roberto it's never good when you score too uh, too early but at that point oh, at that, that time that that's was good just, that's just negative worrying about it it's better to score early than not at all yeah. you know that I remember is after the game Middlesbrough got relegated they lost the League Cup final they lost yeah. the FA Cup final and uh, and Robson got an, uh, a standing ovation from the fans and I found it absolutely fantastic what they did because in France it would have been hanged up I yeah. tell you but what 
you know, that's English fans. And I remember they had a player, they had uh, two Brazilians midfield, Janinho, who was a little, kind of an, almost a genius, yeah. and Emerson, a big, strong lad who played in Brazilian game. Yeah, Emerson, yeah. they lost, lost the cup final, lost the other cup final, got relegated, and he never had, he had a smile on his face through the whole season. He obviously enjoyed football. He just laughed the whole way through the year. I no, that, that was fantastic for them. Uh, unfortunately, they lost. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, the next season with Chelsea, because now you're on a roll, Frank. I mean, Chelsea, they won the FA Cup, and then there was no looking back, and there has been no looking back since. And the following summer, they signed Ed De Hoy from Feyenoord, playing goal, Gus Poyet from Real Zaragoza, um, Tor- Tori Andre Flo, um, Celestine Babayaro, Graham Lasode, just piles of new players coming in. Um, and although they only finished fourth in, in, in 98, um, you reached two cup finals, the League Cup final and the Cup Winners' Cup final. Tell us about, first, let's, let's talk about the, uh, well, they reached two cup finals, they finished fourth, but because Chelsea is the club that it is, Ruud Hullett is sacked in the middle of the season. Yeah, I think it was a turning point. Uh, um, they always said that uh, uh, that uh, Viali won, you know, the European Cup and the uh, the League Cup. But I, but I always said the opposite that it was still it was still was uh, Ruud Gullit's team, and. Um, uh, and uh, it's true that uh, we had a fantastic team, and uh, and I don't know what happened. You know, that's the story between the board and and Ruud Gullit, uh, that they sacked him where we were second in the league. We were uh, in the final of the League Cup, semi-final of the European Cup. Never you would have sacked a, a coach, but I think except it was, at Chelsea. Yeah, but I think it was a contract future contract stuff you know uh, and uh, and they decided to sack him but but I remember being at Ruth Gullit's place and Ruth said I'm going to call Ken Bates because he's Colin Shinson who told him you you are you, we don't want you anymore and he said I'm going to call Ken Bates I'm going to see I said my man you know if you have been sacked by Colin Shinson it's because Ken Bates said okay so you're out of the competition and it's awful but it's what it is and uh, and it's Chelsea started to be a big club, so big club means lots of controversy. <laughs> yeah, of course. You won. You won the League Cup final '98 again. It's Middlesbrough again. Yeah, that's uh, that's something you know. I guess Middlesbrough fans will never forgive us because two two years in a row, two finals, and we won. So. And then, t- the, in fact, it went to extra time, and uh, you won two nil in the end. Talk to me about the uh, the again in the Cup Winners' Cup, a, a fantastic competition that no longer exists. I yep. think, sadly, you beat Slovan Bratislava. Then you had to go to the north of the world, beat Tromso in the next round. That was really funny because we played Tromso the first leg, and uh, it was knowing the FIFA decided to go on and not t- stop the game. We had to stop the game three times during the second half because of the snow falling and we couldn't see the lines and I remember once uh, going for a, a, a header with a, the striker of Tromso and uh, I fell on my back and I hurt a little bit my, my, my head and the uh, the striker took a little bit of snow and said hey Frank do you need some ice you know it's very funny <laughs> Frank I, I was just, just very quickly for the listeners you for, we forget in, in, in England of course in Britain we forget two things about Europe how big France is physically and how big North <laughs> Norway is physically. I have a friend who, who supports one of the teams in Oslo, Lund Oslo. They're now in the lower leagues because they had financial problems. They used to always be a, a team. And he goes to every game, home and away, even though he's a college professor. I don't know how he fits it all in. He told me when he gets the coach to Tromso, uh-huh. that they, it takes them like a day to travel to Tromso. It is nearer, Rome is nearer to Oslo than Tromso is. That's how big and long Norway is. It'd be really? quicker to get to Rome. 
Um, so that is for that has been a football supporter. I always said that's a proper football. <laughs> you have sport. to think about yeah, that. I can't be bothered to go to Birmingham on a bad day, you know. Um, and so the final it was in was in uh, in Stockholm, oddly enough, against Stuttgart, mm. and um, Chelsea won again. It's an amazing. You've you won three trophies in your first two years at Chelsea. Yeah, that was fantastic. In '98, uh, I won in fact four trophies in uh, three months or four months because of the League Cup, the European Cup, the the World Cup, and the Super Super World Cup thing, European yeah. Super Cup. Yeah. So it's simply amazing amazing when you know uh, a year before I had only the FA Cup so it's uh, it was a fantastic uh, choice in fact to go to Chelsea and, and to make uh, Chelsea and myself in the, at the same time well listen having enjoyed those very successful first couple of seasons at Chelsea also you scored a lot of goals Frank for a, for a central defender I noticed you got about uh, six or seven goals in each of those seasons in the league how long have you been playing for France by that stage and when did you first get in the French squad I, I started my, my first cup was in uh, July 95 mm-hmm. and you've been it, it's very hard for you to establish yourself in, in the French team though because if I remember rightly uh, Marcel Desailly and Laurent Blanc I mean with all due respect mm-hmm. they are two extraordinary footballers have to try and get past against the French team. They, they were fantastic players and uh, uh, two months before the World Cup, Aimé Jacquet, the national team coach, called me in his uh, in his room and he said, you know, Frank, here it is. There are two people in front of you. It's Laurent and Marcel. It's my, it's my decision. You could be whether happy with it or not, but uh, that's what it is. So you're going to be the third. Uh, if one of them get injured or suspended, you're going to play, but uh, I don't want any controversy about that. So if you're happy with it, you are in the national team for the World Cup. Otherwise, I don't take you. So, what do you choose? That was very honest of him. That was very. That was fantastic, and uh, and uh, and uh, I knew, so I never complained about that. Uh, and uh, and Laurent, unfortunately, uh, was uh, suspended uh, on the semi-final. Well, sure, sure. So, so you, you, Amy Jacquet said to you, "Look, don't come if it's going to be a problem." But you know. You, you know these two are established. I mean, that's good. I think that's good man management. And you obviously made the decision that you would go. Yeah, of course. You know, how, how do you how do you refuse uh, the possibility to play World Cup in your own country? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic to be in a 22 best players team uh, in your country. In the build up to it, <laughs> in the build up to it, Frank, um, did France? Did you know you were going to go close? Did you know you had a good enough team to win the World Cup? Uh, not at all. Uh, I, I, we have to be honest with that yes. because we've been very uh, criticised by the media and we didn't have big games before. Uh, but we, we knew each other. We knew that we had the capacity to go far. But I think when you're French at the time, you, you had the big time with Platini's team and uh, Gires, Tigana and Fernandez uh, in 84 when they win the European Championship but uh, losing twice in semi-final. Best midfield I ever saw. Oh, that's the best. They were the best four ever, you know. Unbelievable set of midfield yeah. players. And people talk about Holland and France and Belgium and that. That was the best midfield I've ever seen. They were absolutely fantastic. And they should have won, especially, I think, in 82. But we lost against Germany. Schumacher. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and when you... When you're a fan of those people and they re- you re- you know that they couldn't go to the final, they couldn't win a World Cup, how is possible for you, even if you're a player, even if you play at home, to to know and to think you can win the World Cup? And it's always for me a struggle knowing that I did better than my idols. Okay, well, it's a, it's a good struggle to have, Frank. <laughs> so the group stages come. Um, France, I think, are in Group C. Uh, they won in Marseille against South Africa. They won uh, in Paris against Saudi Arabia. You played in the third game um, against Denmark. Denmark 
play a lot of part in this in the French story over the next few years. They they all seem to be playing Denmark. Yeah, a very casual, very good, good through. Then they played against Paraguay in the last sixteen and Italy. You only played the one game though against Denmark at the end of the group stages. Uh, yes. Um, who did you play? Do you remember who you played with? Who who dropped out? Laurent or uh, Laurent? Laurent. I played with Marcel. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yes, yes. I, it was supposed to be like that. Playing a third game to rest the main uh, eleven players, and then uh, it was over for me. Sure. Normally, that's right. Then the semi-final. Uh, I'll tell the story to get to get because I want to talk more about the final in just a second. Um, France beat Croatia, a brilliant Croatian team, 2-1 in the semi-final. By now it's starting to dawn on people that France have got a good chance, although the Brazilian team was still the favourites. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I think the Brazilian team was still the favourites. Mm. Um, and in the about 15 minutes to go in that semi-final, there's the usual pushing and shoving at a corner. And uh, Laurent Blanc and Slavan Bilic are kind of pushing each other. And next thing, Bilic goes down holding his face. The referee buys it. There was no headbutt. There was no punch. There was no foul. He gives him a red card. France do survive. They get to the final. But mm. Laurent Blanc, the great Laurent Blanc, mm. is suspended for the final. These things happen in football. I understand that. First of all, did you speak to him about him missing the final? Was that the way? How did it go? No, we didn't speak. We didn't speak about it because of such an awkward situation, you know, that uh, I had the chance to uh, to play a, a World Cup final uh, where Laurent didn't deserve to not play that World Cup final. So it was very awkward. Aimé Jacquet didn't talk to me for three days. That was a very strange situation. And I promised to myself that uh, when we won the European Championship, the first guy, because I wasn't playing, I was on the bench, the first guys I went to congratulate. This is two years later. Two years mm-hmm. later, I went to Laurent and I said, Laurent, uh, I want to say to you that I'm so freaking pleased that we won it because you played it. And uh, and he said, well, thank you very much. But, but it's... Uh, it was really awkward. I didn't know. I didn't even see the foul. I saw it on TV after, and uh, and suddenly Mejaki turns and says, "Frank, you go, you go in." And it's only ten minutes after that I, I was on the field, uh, on the pitch, and I realized that if we would go through, I would play the final. Sure. And I said, "Oh my God!" You know, and I started to shake and uh, and to 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 know what to do not know what to do. Sorry. And uh, and uh, it was really really strange. Uh, fantastic at the end of the day, but it was the worst three days of my life. The final comes around after those three bad days. Um, it is for you. You may tell me it was the greatest World Cup final ever. In <laughs> fact, the game is. In some ways, a non-event. Um, I don't true. know what do you, you're closer to it than me. We all know Ronaldo is arguably the best striker in the world. He's not in the, in the in the Brazilian team, and suddenly he's back in the team. Then he don't, then he plays like he's in a dream somewhere. Mm. The Brazil don't play at all, and France win three 0 Bless them. Um, what did you know? Were you aware of the chaos going on in the Brazilian team on the build-up to the final? Yes, yes, but we didn't care. We had a final to play, and uh, but it was getting through to you. The Brazilians were doing some strange things, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I knew that I had to mark Ronaldo if he was playing, and uh, and uh, and Marcel de Sey said, "You know what? If it, if Ronaldo doesn't play, don't worry. You will have Rivaldo, or you will have Bebeto, or, or you will have another one." So they were all stars. So uh, we didn't care. I knew that Ronaldo played lots of game in the season uh, I think it was at Barcelona and uh, and and but he wasn't really tired I, he, he played too many video games and he was it's why he had a problem uh, uh, the night before the morning before but uh, but at the end he of the had day, some kind of epileptic episode or something yes, hadn't he? yeah yes but at the end of the day we knew <clears throat> and I think we were very strong we know we were invincible and I tell you half time we knew we would be World Cup uh, winner 
Well, let me just remind people, just to, just the names alone will tell you what kind of team that France had that day. Barthez, Lizarzu, Jokaev, mm. uh, Deschamps, Desailly, Guy Vache, well, Stefan, he, yeah. you know, he, he was there to cheer the team on, mm. um, Zidane, Turam, Petit, Leboeuf, Karen Burr. Yeah. Uh, what was it like that day, the day after? What was it like? Well, I think you don't really realize what you did. Uh, again, you know, when you, you, you get the, the trophy and you, you turn the, the trophy uh, upside down, you see all the team who won the World Cup from 74 because yes. Brazil won it in 17 and so they kept, kept they cut the Jury the Jury May, uh, trophy. So you see Germany, you see Argentina, uh, Brazil, of course, every, and you, you see the names, Beckenbauer, Maradona and some others, and you say wow that's huge but you don't realize because you don't put yourself in the same at the same level uh, that was for me the case uh, but and on top of it I was playing in England so I don't want to bother too much British people with the Fran- with France winning the World Cup because they don't really care but uh, but I have to say that uh, when I came back to England I was with Marcel Desailly and we were running uh, in uh, Harlington next to Heathrow and I-, I said to Marcel Marcel why are we still running we won the World Cup we should be resting and, uh, and especially Especially no media, nobody. The team was in uh, uh, Holland preparing for the new season. And of course, we were out of the place, uh, nothing, let's say, close to the moon. And the first game we played against Coventry, I think after 15 minutes, we are losing 2-0. One mistake from Marcel, one mistake from me. So <laughs> so it should have been better if we, if we would have stayed on holidays. But... Of course, it was fantastic. And it, I think it took me like four or five years to finally realize that it was huge what we did that uh, that day. Because now it's 15 years, almost 15 years ago, or 15 years ago. Yeah. And uh, people, every day somebody talks to me about the World Cup. And, and in France, people, they say to us, thank you. They don't say well done. They say thank you. Because, y- you know, everybody will know when the when Armstrong put his, uh, his foot on the ground of the, of the moon. Everybody in France knows where he was doing and where he, where he, where he was the day of July 12th. And uh, I say thank you as well, um, uh, Frank, because uh, I now learned that they do play football in France. <laughs> I, I guess there's always a danger of things being an anticlimax after a World Cup like that. But it's, uh, in football, it's like that. You've got to keep going. The next game, you can be as great as you want one day. The next game gets coming. Were Chelsea, do you think, good enough by that stage to to start to challenge for the Premier League title? Yes, I, I, I think uh, it was the right time for us to be a little bit more ambitious. Uh, we were starting also the Champions League. Uh, it was the first time for, for the club. Uh, I, I think we had a very competitive uh, squad and uh, and we thought we could do something good. I think we only lost three games during the season uh, uh, in the Premier League. But... Uh, but I guess they, they, they are a bit of team more than us. They bought, I think, a very good centre forward, a man called Pierluigi Casaraghi, but for a lot of money. But he he got hurt in the end. It, it, it kind of threw the team out of balance somewhat. Yes, yes, we lost him very quickly. Uh, he never recovered uh, from his injury. I think it was against West Ham. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe. And uh, and uh, that was sad. But we had other strikers like uh, Turan Dreflo, uh, Vialli was still there, Gianfranco Zola. I mean, that was yeah. that was a Marcus. Well, simply amazing. 
And you did win a European trophy because, of course, um, having won the Cup Winners' Cup, you you played in the Super Cup against Real Madrid in France. Everything is going well for you, and you won that as well. Yeah, well, it wasn't really in France. It was in Monaco, oh. <laughs> Monte Carlo. Oh, so that doesn't count as France in no, your no, mind? No, 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 because okay. they don't pay tax there. No. <laughs> Especially in France right now, when you pay tax, you can say you're in so, France. Hang on, just very briefly about that. It means that the Monaco Football Club is in an amazing position, doesn't it? Because if you play for Paris Saint-Germain, mm. um, you have to pay 75% tax. Monaco, presumably, zero. Yeah, exactly. So they can attract, presumably in the years to come, they will attract a lot of very good French players to play Yeah, there. and uh, many, many chairmen from uh, from uh, the, the the Ligue 1 uh, clubs want want to change that because Monaco is about to come back up uh, yep. in the Ligue 1. Exactly what I'm saying. One. It. And uh, there is a big controversy about that because, of course, they're going to be uh, able to uh, to get good players uh, because they pay less tax as, I mean, a, as I, employers. I, I know it doesn't matter because of their owners, but PSG are paying Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I think, nine hundred thousand euros a week just so he can earn, a, you know, what a footballers call a proper wage. Yeah, well, uh, they found. I think they found the right way for uh, for f- to to avoid that. You know, is to give everything to charity. Okay. <laughs> we yeah. are talking about David. Bex has done that. Uh, yeah. Of course, he has. Yeah. Yes. Um, you. Uh, you, as, you, as you say, in that season that you won against Real Madrid, in not in France, in, 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 Monte, in, in Carlo. Monte Carlo, um, but you finished fourth in the league and lost in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup to Real Mallorca, yeah? No, uh, that was the following year. We were in, the, in uh, after '98. Uh, I think we played the the, the Champions League uh, and we lost in quarter-final against Barcelona. And uh, and it was uh, actually that's the following year. That's ninety nine two thousand. All right, yeah, so you see, yeah, you yeah. see, I'm going too fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we lost in semi final. You're right against Mallorca, and uh, and it, it was really sad because I think we had the team to win uh, again the the cup winners cup, and it was the last one in fact. Yep. And uh, and uh, we were really uh, really sad and frustrated uh, after getting out of the competition. So let, let, let's move on as quickly as you were talking then to ninety nine two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Chelsea. Never short of, of spending money. Didier Deschamps came to play yeah. for Chelsea. Um, Chris Sutton was a huge money signing from Blackburn. Uh, Mario Melchior came to play as well. And although you finished fifth in the league, um, it, this was the, the the issue for Ken Bates was that it was clear there was plenty of money going into Chelsea, and various managers until Abramovich got there, they just couldn't get over that line to be challenging properly for the league title. I mean, Claudio Ranieri. Um, was we'll talk about him later. Was going insane because he knew he had the players. They just couldn't quite get them into position to to win these things. Um, you should say it's Chelsea's first adventure in the Champions League in 2000, and you got all the way to the you got to the quarterfinals, having beaten uh, Galatasaray, mm-hmm. um, Hertha Berlin, Bayern, uh, fine Lazio. There was lots of two groups in those stages, so you played lots and lots of games. Yeah, get to the quarterfinal. You say you lost to Barcelona, and that sounds like it's no problem. Anyone can lose to Barcelona these days. But there was a stage when you were three nil ahead in the tie. Yeah, that, that that was very frustrating because I think we we won three one the first leg. Then then we went to the Camp Nou, and uh, two minutes before the end of the game, we were losing only two one. And, uh, and so you were gone through. So we say, okay, we, we we're gonna catch up and 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 go f- to the to the semi final. And uh, uh, Viali uh, made a substitution. 
uh, when we had a corner against us and he put uh, Lombard. And I think it's it's the basic stuff to not do, you know, no. when you are at the end of the game because it was 90,000 people. Well, even, you know, Hackney Marshes, they, you don't put, you don't make the substitution when you're defending a corner yeah. or a free kick. Exactly. That was insane. And Bernard came in and I was shouting to him, take that guy. I don't remember the striker of Barcelona. I don't remember mm-hmm. his name. And and he didn't hear me and the guy scored with the header and we went to extra time. Babayoro got sent off we had a penalty bye bye we lost 5-1 and I went back to the dressing room with all my teammates and we were so upset with that decision because we knew that we could have gone through and do better than that and uh, of course it was our fault because we didn't do the job but I think we were on the lawn in that situation and uh, that was really frustrating really frustrating I mean we look now I mean we're talking uh, for those people listening to us we're talking just after Chelsea have produced that brilliant comeback uh, at Old Trafford in the FA Cup and we're watching a Chelsea team that hasn't lost an FA Cup tie in five years mm. uh, in normal time it's extraordinary but your team that you played in was also a brilliant cup team yeah. and because that year again Chelsea find themselves at the 2000 FA Cup final historic as well because the last uh, cup final played at that beautiful old stadium was it beautiful was it crumbling I don't know I thought it was beautiful old I think it was, it was history it was yeah that's right yeah. and you played in that uh, in the last cup final can you tell me about that game against Aston Villa uh, first of all the run You let me just remind you you uh, won at Hull uh, beat Nottingham Forest Leicester Gillingham Newcastle in the semi-finals, nice easy run until you got to Newcastle, that's all good. <laughs> and then Aston Villa in the final. Yeah, well, that, that was different. That was uh, that was three years after winning the first FA Cup. Uh, and in between, we won uh, many other, st- other trophies that we felt that the FA Cup was at least something we we had to win during the season and um, your ambitions are changed yeah, yeah yeah the ambition of the club the the demands of the fans you know it it really changed so it was the least we could have done and uh, and we won it uh and uh, we were happy about it of course but uh it was um, yeah it was it was, a, it was a terrible cup final i remember yeah it was maybe a, not for you playing but watching no, it no, was it, a was, terrible it, cup it was terrible i mean no no, no nothing special about that um Again, Di Matteo was the guy of the man of the match, you know, while scoring the goal. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was nice because another line in the in the in the list. But uh, it wasn't the perfect FA Cup. Um, I should make the point as well that at that stage you had a new teammate called George Ware. Um, what a footballer he was. I mean, very difficult because he was one of those players like Ryan Giggs, maybe, who mm. was born into a country where he's never going to play in a World Cup or we're never mm. going to see him. Even the African nations they didn't qualify for. But he was, a, to an outsider, he seemed like just the most extraordinary footballer. He was absolutely fantastic. And when he signed, I think he only signed for six months for, for, for Chelsea. And I played against him when he was at Paris Saint-Germain before and I was at Strasbourg. And uh, we b- became friends before before he came to, okay. to Chelsea. And uh, Absolutely fantastic player. I remember playing the FA Cup final against Aston Villa with his boots, you know, written George Weah. Uh, and uh, he was a Ballon d'Or. He was a player. What a player when he played for, for AC Milan before. Uh, so strong. Yeah, strong, powerful. I remember that, that that game when he with Milan when he took the ball from 16-yard box, dribbled everybody, and went to score a goal. Well, <laughs> that was pretty amazing. So powerful and such a nice guy. Uh, and uh, I, I felt so honoured to uh, to play alongside him. Frank, we need to to move forward. Of course, the time passes. Talk about your your departure from Chelsea. Viali was um, sacked. I think uh, Claudio Ranieri came in. Mm-hmm. Claudio Ranieri is a man for whom everybody has a great deal of time. I personally have spent some time with him personally. I thought he was a lovely chap. 
Um, but I don't think you were entirely happy with the way things were going at Chelsea by that stage. Exactly. Well, I, I have lots of uh, respect for Mr. Ranieri, but sure. the thing is, uh, uh, my thought about football wasn't really uh, the same as it was for him. He, he, uh, he brought his experience uh, of Italian football, and as I said before, I didn't want to sign for an Italian team. I you don't like Italian football? It's okay. No, no, it's, it's boring, I th- isn't I think, it? I think it's boring. Uh, when you're a defender, you can't go forward. You know, you have to stay. You know, sometimes at my time, you couldn't go a little further than the the median uh, medium halfway line, line halfway yeah. line. So I said, "What the hell is that? It's not football." So I don't want to play there. And when Ranieri came, you know, we had to go to the hotel before the game at home, and I said, "No, I don't want that." You know, I, my bed is better. My food, the food at home is better. Why I should spend a, a boring night before the game and, and, and be really bored at the hotel? So I decided to leave. And also, uh, uh, Ranieri wanted to put his signature to uh, the new era of the club, putting John Terry, and uh, and he was right. <laughs> you know, yeah, John is an absolutely fantastic player. So I say, I think my cycle is is uh, is over, and I have to go. Did you have? Uh, could you have stayed in England? Did you have other offers? Why did you go back to France and to your well, to where you come from, to Marseille? Yeah, yeah, I had offers uh, from uh, several clubs in England, and uh, I I denied them because. I I said uh, I have to pay respect and be faithful towards Chelsea because Chelsea made me uh, being international and uh, and um, I will never sign for another English club. And uh, I went back to Marseille because my father was dying from cancer. So I went back there uh, for four times less than I was earning at Chelsea. But uh, back with uh, your family. It, I needed to be uh, with my father. So I went back to south of France in Marseille. Lots of problems over there. But we... We in two years we qualified for the Champions League, so it was also a success for me. You said one of the reasons you went back to Marseille was to be near your family because your dad um, was sick. How long more did he last? Uh, after I came, like two and a half years after that, uh, it was a hard time, and uh, I stayed two years in Marseille, and then I went and moved to Qatar, and he died when I was in Qatar. But it was a very hard time for the family because he never thought he would die. He never thought uh, he would need to prepare people around him or something, you know, after him. It's not about preparing yourself. It's the, it's yeah, the people left behind, Exactly. Isn't it? And I, I have to say that I was quite resentful toward him when he died. Um, I, I, in fact, the way we had to say goodbye, because they didn't know he was about to suffocate, so they, have to, they had to put him asleep. So the doctors say, okay, now it's time to say goodbye to your father. So the last thing you do is to lie to your father. Because you say, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll or... see you tomorrow, you know, sleep well, and you know you will never see him again. So it was a... Uh, it was really, really hard. So I kissed him and I remember smelling him to remember him. And uh, that was a very, very hard time. And uh, I, I wish my, well, in a way, I wish my father would have known that he would die and would say something to me because he was a, a very hard guy. He made me a perfectionist, but in a way, it's hard in my life sometimes to not let it go because of him. He, I had to become a champion of the world for him to tell me that he was proud of me so it's a bit too much you know it's how high level athletics uh, people are mainly raised but uh, I think it's uh, it's a big mistake you, and uh, I wish he would have said something to me before going Has it affected your own relationship with your kids and how you deal with them? Yeah because uh, I struggle uh, because I sometimes follow his path and, uh, and I'm also asking a lot to my kids but I know it's wrong at the same time and I try to be 
uh, more relaxed and uh, especially with my son and my son feel the pressure you know psychologically you have to kill the father and it's hard to kill Frank LeBeouf so <laughs> I understand for my son and it's hard so he, he, he's resentful he tries to deny everything when he he wants to find a job he doesn't say who his father is uh, because he feel that there is more pressure for him to uh, to uh, towards the other to, sure. to show what he can do so I can understand that but um, you know we are parents we all make mistakes and my father made mistakes i do i i make mistakes uh but it's hard to be accepted by the by the the children when we talked about this off air um you were saying you've got your dad dying there and, and in circumstances that are very difficult when they're drawn out like that it's, it's very very difficult i'm sure yeah um Add to that, you're playing at one of the most nutty football clubs in the world. Marseille is so... I mean, we know about the politics with Bernard Tapie, etc. over the years. And the crowds down there, it's a pretty mad place to play, isn't it? it, it it's completely crazy. Uh, I was born in Marseille, so I know I know the people, and uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm one of them. So it was it was easier for me. They're but different from the rest of... People tell me they're different from the rest of the French people. Oh, they... Like me, big mouth, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, they give a lot, lots of pressure. I mean, it's like you know, playing at Newcastle. People they think every day about the club, you know, what they can bring to them. Uh, there, there are lots of factories uh, in Marseille, and people they tease each other, and they, they want the the, the 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 team to win during the weekend. So it's a hard time for it's a little bit of sun for for everybody uh, in this city. Uh, so I was living like. Like 30, 35 miles away from Marseille in Aix-en-Provence because it was impossible to to even walk down the street. <laughs> you had a couple of years there. I mean, I, I think they did better in the second year. Two thousand three, you finished third in the in the French league. Um, second. And, <laughs> sorry, second. Was that right? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, my researchers are going to be sacked tomorrow. <laughs> and then you make a handbrake turn. I mean, I don't know whether this was to do. Um, with the fact that your father was going and maybe you needed a change or sort of to, re to release yourself or something but to, to leave I mean you, you've won the World Cup less than four years earlier suddenly you go to Qatar what's that about? Yeah when I was uh, the f 35 I, I felt my body was a bit fed up I was, f I was also uh, uh, you know, fed up about traveling and, and and everything, and not giving time to my family. As you say, my father was about to die, also, and uh, I felt the pressure. And I say, okay, I'm gonna retire. Uh, Alain Perrin was the, the the coach of Marseille. I had a big uh, uh, impact in the dressing room in Marseille, so he, he felt that he he, he he could have the pressure from me uh, becoming the coach if it didn't work well. Sure. Um, a, a year before, Dreyfus, the chairman, asked me to, to be the general manager, and I said no because I wanted to play, uh, but I, I, I told him to buy Drogba, and they, they did it. The quite, year, quite a good player, it turned yeah, out. Yeah, and he was at Gengar, nobody knew him, he didn't, Dreyfus didn't know who he was, and I said, okay, that guy is strong and you have to pick him and never said thank you after that the year after but uh, it's okay I'm happy for DJ <laughs> but um, but yeah and I, I say I'm gonna retire though uh, and uh, and the uh, uh, the air apparent called me from Qatar and say uh, do you want to come to play well, I said, okay, I'm going to visit first. And uh, so with my ex-wife, we went there for like three days. Uh, and we said, that's fine. You know, it's nice. It's a pre-retirement uh, situation. Let's go. It was good money, of course. <laughs> it's lying to say you go to Qatar, you know, to uh, to enjoy your football. Sure. No, I enjoy my golf. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and that that was two, two nice years. Then I retired. And you're in a position then to tell me, 
you can play football in Qatar, can you? Because I can't imagine that they're going to play the World Cup. But surely it's going to be unbelievably hot. Yeah, no, I have to say it was hard at first, and you get used to it, of okay. course. But it took me. But like, you won't get used to it in the World Cup. You have no time nah, to acclimatize. It, it's going to be a nightmare if they stay like that. But I remember preparing the season in Dubai and uh, running with the cube of ice, you know, in my hand because my head was about to explode. <laughs> so uh, good luck in 2022. But I'm sure they're going to do everything for the players and the fans to feel good. I'm more, I'm more concerned about the earth and what it's going to do to them because the air conditioning is not that good for for the earth sure i was going to say they've got the money and the technology they will uh, probably get by with it but it's, it's such a temporary solution to the problem i, I just think it was a look maybe i'm just being too eurocentric i just think it was a terrible idea to play the world cup in Qatar. we'll see how it goes um Let's go back to your your fr French career because we've uh, we, we last left you waving to everyone in the Champs Elysees, uh, having won the, uh, the the World Cup, and France does it again in in two thousand. Um, different experience for you because uh, I don't think you did you get on the pitch. Uh, not yes, sure, yeah. I, I played only one game against the Netherlands, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I went back to my situation, uh, the situation I should have had uh, in uh, during you, the World you, Cup. You were the sub again for I guess LeBlanc and Desailly. Yeah, again, exactly, yeah. exactly. So so I, I didn't play, but uh, Laurent Blanc, you, sorry. Laurent Blanc yeah. played, and and it was, uh, as I said, perfect for him to win something on the being on the pitch. So uh, I wasn't resentful at all. But having having happy. having been, uh, yeah, well, I was going to ask that question. Having been a World Cup winner, is it okay to go back to being the, the the understudy, to use the acting word? Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a problem. You know, we are a squad, and you have to understand if you want to win something internationally, talking with the national team, you have to uh, fight for each other and really. F uh, uh, develop a, a group understanding and uh, and it's what we did it's what we confirmed uh, during the uh, 2000 uh, European Championship you have a French word there's French French esprit de corps it's, exactly it's what it is you have to have a good spirit if you want to win something what was good is okay everybody said uh, I know, especially in England, uh, that uh, uh, we won because we were hosting it, and uh, maybe some uh, reminiscence from 1966. Yeah. But uh, uh, but we confirmed that we had a good team. Stop teasing Be people, Frank. Yeah, it's yeah. not nice. No, I know, I know. <laughs> we we love to hate each other. We know, we know. <laughs> uh, you know what it's about. But uh, but in. It, we confirmed that we were a good generation of players and uh, that we could win the double in two years. You did, which takes us on to now. This is the bit where, where we, the hating comes back in. 2002, <laughs> France, you're in the squad for the World Cup. Yeah. It is, by any, just any measurement you like, the worst defence of a world title ever. Mm. France, you played, in, let's get into it, you played in the first game against Senegal. Mm. I mean, I understand what it meant, presumably, uh, an old colony of France's, a team that was un unknown in world football, and France lost. And that result, I remember when I was doing the World Cup and won the TV or radio stations, mm -hmm. it reverberated around the world. Yeah, no, that, that, that was a fantastic uh, uh, game for Senegal, but uh, we, I, can, I, I could give like 10 excuses why it didn't work, you know. For example, that Vieira played 65 games, uh, got injured, we lost Zidane, we lost Robert Pires before the competition, and that's huge. When you lose your midfield, two best players, that's huge. We were at the, also at the end of a cycle uh, after starting all together in 2004, 2000. So uh, I think it was only meant to be. Beckenbauer said that this worker was only a joke because of the monsoon we started 15 days before. So no time for big national teams to prepare, uh, especially uh, teams who were in a big group. It was okay for Germany and Brazil because they had 
a, a, a decent group, not, but not a big group. So, well, it's we were bad. We have to say that. What we, happened to you in the second game? You, you lost. I got it, injured you after. You came off a uh, for against an hour, Uruguay. Yeah. I got injured after 15 minutes. Well, uh, again, I think we were too old. We thought we, we could do it again. But uh, but at the end of the day, we didn't have a new generation as well. And we see we still struggle. It takes uh, in, in, in France, it takes always like between 15 and 20 years to find a good new generation. So we're still <laughs> looking for it. And, it. and finally, and luckily you didn't play in that third game, famously lost to Denmark as well. Denmark, who you're always beating, yeah. uh, beat you. Um, that's the reason you think it was just the end of a cycle because it, it was portrayed in this country I can't speak how it went down in France I'm mm-hmm. sure it went down very badly mm-hmm. it was portrayed as an absolute disaster calamity in this country well comparing to what we uh, have seen in 2010 in Nysna with the strike of the player you know we became heroes back you know we oh we, the French we, squad in, in we, South Africa yeah, yeah. oh my god oh, yeah <laughs> so you see it can be worse you know so uh, you know since all the terrible things they, they've been they, they've done you know the past three, four years, you know, uh, in the national team, we became smart people, uh, heroes back, you know, and uh, uh, everything is perfect. Everybody forgot about 2002, in fact, in France now. And if you could look back on your 50 caps career for France, what would you say? It, it was fantastic. Well, I, you've won the World Cup, that's what you need to say. <laughs> no, but I won it after the, it was my 16th cap uh, when I won it, so uh, many others after that. But I, I was fortunate to belong to that fantastic generation because you don't win by yourself. You you have to be lucky. As you were talking about Ryan Giggs, George Weir would never be able uh, to, to, show to, that. to show that and to win a World Cup. And uh, well, I have to say, yeah, I'm, I was lucky, like Bobby Moore was lucky to be English. I was lucky to be French at that time. And that's what it is. Frank, over recent years, uh, you've enjoyed a handbrake turn in your career, got into acting and uh, um, we'll talk about that in a little while. That means you've also spent some time playing for Hollywood United. Um, tell me about the concept of Hollywood United. What, what, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, it's simply enjoying and playing football for retired people and also for the uh, movie industry uh, uh, people like actors, producers, and also singers like uh, uh, we have Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols, for example. He's a wonderful striker in our team. And uh, yeah, I had a chance to be contacted by uh, uh, Ian Carrington and uh, it put me back into football because I, after my career in 2005, I said, never, I'm going to go back and play even for a small league. And he contacted me and it was fantastic to have a chance to uh, to meet some other people and to be more uh, included in the in the Hollywood society and uh, I played and I enjoyed it and for three years you know uh, I uh, I ran for Hollywood United and it was well, it was really great thanks to the, the miracle of radio we can go live now to Los Angeles to the self-same person who runs the team uh, Ian Carrington hello Ian Good morning, how are you? <laughs> very, very good indeed. Um, it all sounds very simple there, the way Frank tells it. Tell us about setting up Hollywood United and what you, what you, what else are you doing? Well, Hollywood United was a, just a team full of, of lads in a, you know, a local pub called the Cat and Fiddle years ago. And um, it, ended up, it ended up, as Frank said, it just like a, it was a meeting point, really, for a lot of guys who came to Hollywood, like musicians, actors ex-footballers and it ended up well ended up we ended up being like the Harlem Globetrotters eventually well, hang on let me ask you, what, what are you doing out there first and foremost um, I'm, I'm involved in the film industry uh-huh um, involved that covers a, a multitude of sins doesn't it it involves a lot of sins yeah I'm worried about that <laughs> 
No, I'm involved in the film industry. I've, I was football coordinating for movies and uh, commercials and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I've got involved in producing with um, um, the likes of Tamar Hassan, who's yeah. become a p partner of mine. Um, you know, we've ended up striking some really good friendships out of it, which is more important than anything else. Fra Frank uh, seems to rate Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols um, as a good striker. Um, who else has played for the, the Hollywood uh, the Hollywood United? Well, Steve's actually got the name as well as the Shepherd's Bush Goal Machine. Right. <laughs> so, uh, now Hollywood United, he's also um, uh, Richard Goff has played. Or, um, oh, yeah. Barry, ba Barry Venison. Okay. <clears throat> Um, Barry had the Hollywood haircut even before he went out there, didn't he? <laughs> That's right. He had the he had the hair they all styled up ready years ago, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, you know, we had um, Alexi Lalas. Remember him, uh, the yeah. American player. One wonderful but, player, wonderful man. Yeah, uh, Eric Wanalda. Yeah, who, um, played for the United States in two World Cups. Yeah, John Harks. Okay, yeah. So you you had them all out there. That's good. Yeah, it, it was a bit surreal, really. You know. Um, all coming from England, and the next thing, we've got all these players on the same field of us, you know. Well, it sounds like it was great fun. Um, and ha let me ask you this now. Since since Frank LeBeuf says he uh, he decided to retire completely, how good was LeBeuf uh, later on? Because he, he looks in pretty good shape now, but he, uh, unlike Steve Jones, if I might be so bold, <laughs> um, how good was LeBeuf when you had him playing for Hollywood United? Oh, it was great. We all used to, we all used to laugh. He used to say, Fr Frank used to show up, and he, he looked like a racehorse still. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not what you want in a pub team, though, really, is it? No, that's right. We were the most we were the most famous pub team in the world at one time. We was quoted. Well, I th you probably still are, I mean, unless unless something's happening that I don't know about. Listen, it's been a, a thrill to talk to you and great fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just I just want to say yeah. I, I just remember the first time Tamar Hassan ever showed up. Okay. And um, it it'd been out at night. It had a few vodkas, <laughs> and um, he showed up and he he turned up and he went. He couldn't see very well, and he stood next to me, and he went, who's that over there? Is that Fabian Barthez? Oh! <laughs> I, said, I said, no, that's Frank LeBeuf. He's supposed to be a, a Chelwall-type fella, so you should know that. Very good. Listen, thanks a lot, Ian. Thank you, Ian. You're the man. All right, Frank, good to speak to you. Good luck, Ian. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, bye. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's Ian who was speaking to us there from Los Angeles. We'll hear about Tamar Sanicles, one of our leading actors. Now we'll hear from him, I hope, very very soon. But I've got to ask you this, Frank. Um, you know, you have taken the, you are doing the acting, and you've taken to doing it. Um, how, how do you how do you get the confidence to do that? Because you, sometimes you read actors' biographies. Oh, they're tortured. They spent they have to go to the actors' studio in New York for six years. <laughs> they have to cut their own head off to do, to, to, to learn a part. Um, I don't think you've gone to that extreme, have you? Have you done any training? Yes, I, I went to the, uh, to the uh, Lee Streisberg Institute in Los Angeles, which is... Okay, a... so you've done the actor Studio. I did. Well, it's a branch of actor <laughs> yeah, Studio. Yeah, yeah. We have to be humble about that. Yeah. So uh, so I learned the process of, of you know, uh, of acting, in fact. and uh, and But it, it has to be a passion, you know. It cannot be uh, what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to act. No, no, it's not like that. I, uh, I wanted to be, as I said before, at uh, the beginning of the show... Uh, I wanted to be an actor when I was four years old, yeah. and and he followed me. I, I in two thousand one when I was at Chelsea, I played him uh, in a movie uh, with Harvey Keitel uh, and uh, and some Which French Russian. It's uh, it was taking sides. It was a Ronnie Howard uh, uh, play, in right. fact, and I talked with two 
Ronnie uh, uh, about me willing to be an actor. And he said a year after, he said, Frank, you know, my 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 play is becoming a movie. Do you want to be part? Do you want to be uh, have a little part of it? I said, Yeah, of course, I would love to. And uh, and the, the production called me. I went there and I said, Okay, that's what I want to do after. Staff question: What language do you want to act in, Frank? Uh, I will. Well, you know, You'll do whatever you're asked to do, I presume. But I will be a French guy in English. <laughs> I have no choice. Uh, uh, but and I don't want to lose my accent because some people yeah. say, you know, you have to take a read uh, action reduction. Uh, uh, I said no because. I want to be myself first and also why I want to be like everybody else you know I, the movies in, the movie industry is international now you see lots of people you know uh, uh, acting um, uh, in their own language and uh, and you need a French guy they have to <laughs> it's going to be a, a, either a Russian guy or French guy who's going to be the bad guy so I want to be that bad guy okay can you act in French uh, yes, I, I I was involved in two plays in Paris and in a tour, and uh, but in France I don't have the chance for the moment because in France I'm still a football player, <laughs> and when you are in uh, in that case, you know uh, they don't want to put you out of the box and uh, and uh, and and I give you a chance. So it's gonna come up. Hopefully, but I have to be patient. Okay, well, listen, we heard Ian uh, Carrington there talking about um, one of our leading actors, Tamar Hassan. You'll have seen him, of course, in The Football Factory, in The Business, uh, Batman Begins, loads and loads of films, Eastern Promises, of course, as well. I'm delighted to say he's both your, an actor and your friend. And joining us on the line now. Hello, Tamar. Hey, how are you? Very, very good indeed. Say hello to Frank. Frankie, how are you, son? I'm good, and you? Nice to All hear right. from you. Summer, I mean, this, this isn't right, is it? Blokes who are uh, professional athletes coming in, muscling into the acting game. That can't be right. I'm not having it. No. I've had enough of it. I mean, <laughs> it's just not right. They're taking the bread from your children's mouths. Absolutely, absolutely. I keep telling Frank to turn it in, but he won't have it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I make a money transfer every every month to uh, Tamar's, uh, Tamar's Frank, account. Frank's actually uh, uh, with my uh, with my agency, so I'm on ten percent anyway. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, that, so that, the more that, successful he gets, the more I get. Well, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that makes some sense of it at least. I mean, all joking aside, Tamara. I mean, uh, when chaps like yourself get into acting, and I'm sure you made it a, a life's work and done done the training and all the rest of it. Um, no training for me. No, you ju you just you just stepped up to jump. Well, funny you should say that. I was actually a boxer prior yeah. to. Uh, to, uh, so I was kind of an amateur athlete turned actor right. rather than uh, a professional athlete. And, and how, how did you get to know Frank? Uh, Frank, I, get, I got to know Frank in uh, Los Angeles when I moved out to Los Angeles. It was quite funny. Um, I played for a team called Hollywood United, as Ian Carrington is a dear friend of mine, as I well was saying. Yep. And the story goes like this. I was a little bit drunk the night before. <laughs> And <laughs> nobody, nobody smears Frank LaBeouf. Now, me and Frank went out for an edda, and I won. How, I never know. And I picked up Frank. <laughs> oh, I, hang on, Tamo. If he can act, you can play football. That's how the world Absolutely. is now, apparently. Yeah. But as, um, as, um, as, um, as I looked down, I thought it was, um, uh, Bartes yeah. uh, called Frank up and said, shouldn't you be in goal? <laughs> <laughs> and every, everything's gone full circle. And everyone just started really laughing. But that, yeah. and from there, it was love at first sight. He had me at hello. 
Yes, that's true. That's true. We 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 had a, a very good bond, and uh, and uh, it was really funny because uh, I hate that when you compare me to Fabian Bartels because I think I'm more handsome than him. But no, no, you're you're a hell of a lot more handsome, <laughs> unbelievably handsome. It was just that I was hungover and a little bit drunk still. So that's all it was, my friend. All right, here's the moment, and of course, now that I know that you're on a percentage, Tam, I feel about fraud asking this question: Is he any good at the acting? <laughs> yeah, he's very good. I watched. Um, I'm not going to say what the film was, and I'm not going to say who he was acting next to, but he was acting with some fairly famous names, and so it was a football film. And for me, Frank was the best one in it. (laughs) (laughs) When I watched watched it, I I, I can't say because some of them are dear friends of mine. (laughs) No, 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 you don't say. It's a secret between uh, the two of us. It's a secret between us. But Frank was. Frank was very good, very, very good. Look, Frank's a very charismatic, talented man anyway. If you get to know Frank in real life, you'll see that he's definitely, definitely got some great acting chops about him. And I'm, I've written something called Player, which is about two football agents. And I came to Frank and wrote uh, with him in mind, wrote a part of him, nothing to do with football. He's, he's going to be a, um, a, like a kind of villain type boss agent, if you know what I mean. But he's never played football, he's an agent. And we put another film together where Frank's going to play the villain. So we're really excited to have him. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Tamara, it's great to talk to you. Let me just say one thing since we're having a love in here. Um, I've done lots of things in the media over the past 30 years. Um, The fact that I'm the voice that announces the cup tie in Football Factory um, between uh, Chelsea and Millwall. Yes, um, sure. It might be a Chelsea-Millwall final. I've I've shared a billboard with you, uh, Tamara, and that's one of my things I'm most proud of. So, uh, Oh, bless you. Thanks for joining (laughs) us here on Talk. Anytime, listen, due to the um, uh, uh, results um, uh, on the KFA Cup, it could be a Millwall Chelsea final. Oh, very likely now. I thought that, that, that's absolute favourite now, absolutely. That's so Tam- you could be famous again. Uh, thank you, thank you. That's Tamar Hassan, uh, of course, uh, top actor these days. Just ask me where, where, where I mean, we're, got, we're running, rushing towards the end of the programme now. Where are you now with the actor? What kind of, I know that you've come straight from a shoot for a pop video, even as we speak. Where yes, are you now? What are yeah, you doing? Yesterday, I, 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 I'm in London right now because I, I went for, for a shoot in, uh, we, we, we shoot a music video for like 15 hours straight yesterday and uh, that's uh, but I love it so I never complain you know? when you're a footballer you train for about an hour then you've got <laughs> that day to yourself when you're actually yeah, you've got to hang around in a caravan yeah, uh, eating n- burgers not even not even because I like to be with the cast so I stay with the cast and it was a nice experience uh, Tamir called me because I had to uh, join him after for an event and I said I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to uh, to 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 attend because I'm, I'm busy but uh, but it was nice and I love it I love uh, uh, you know waiting for my time to to show what I can do and and uh, a, ch- a chance to to meet people like Tamer uh, and some others because especially Tamer because they give me the chance to uh, to show what I can do and uh, that's the main thing because we are so many actors would love to have one chance to uh, to show their talent and uh, and when you have the opportunity to have uh, uh, stars like uh, Tamer uh, giving a little bit of space to a debutant like me it's always nice and I want to thank him because he's a lovely person. And I love him. I love him. And uh, I give a big kiss also to Camilla. Story, my agent. It's 12 years since uh, you played for Chelsea. 
Now, time flies by. Um, and you've announced at the top of the show that these days you're a fully-fledged Chelsea fan. Um, and uh, what have you made of the last decade or so at Stamford Bridge? I mean, amazing success, but it's one of the, world, one of the strangest clubs on the planet, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's special because, of course, like Manchester United, you have somebody on top of the club, you know, who's... Was really rich and uh, and 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 he wants something immediately, and uh, he got it. You know, with titles, uh, national domestic titles, then uh, the Champions League uh, last season. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I love the club, so it's hard for me to criticize the club. I, I think. Of course, you know everybody at the, uh, in the stands would love to have more stability uh, in a coach position. Uh, when you see how Manchester United is working, you know, and you see Sir Alex Ferguson. But that, that to be fair, Frank, that's only English footballers obsessed with the coach being there for years and years and years and years. Mm. Every, look at look at the other clubs, the great clubs of the world that have been successful at a top level: the Milan's, the the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, the Bayern Munich. They change their coaches all the time. Yeah, it's true, but I, but it's our culture. And this country is to try and have someone who's there till they're, till they're an old man. Well, I, I think it's stupid when you have somebody being successful, you know, to get rid of him. Uh, well, did you, I mean, you're a fan, but and I know you don't want to upset Mr. Abramovich already, but when they got rid of Di Matteo, it was insane, wasn't it? Well, uh, you know, it's Chelsea I, I, through and through, okay, they were the champions of Europe. Yeah, we we knew we knew what was the goal of Mr. Abramovich that I think he want, really wanted to have uh, Pep Guardiola uh, at the head of the the team, and uh, and it, it's sad that Robert had to go on because he, he did so well with the the Champions League and the FA Cup final last year and everybody was really disappointed um, so so it, it's hard and, and quite difficult to understand why it happened um, especially when you see somebody coming uh, uh, Mr. Benitez and, 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 and he was so critical towards Chelsea so you wonder why but I'm not in the board and I'm not here to criticize the club and the club I love uh, but um, it's true, like the fans, we want to understand sometimes. You talk about football many times. We've talked about teams coming to the end of their cycle. Didier Drogba's departure, John Terry reaching probably, his body looks like he's, he's finding it harder and harder to play top-level football. Mm. Frank is 35. Um, even Ashley Cole can't go on forever and ever. Yeah. Great player though he is, and I mean mm. that, great player though he is. Um, there is a cycle ending at Chelsea as well, isn't there? Yeah, there, there is, and uh, and I can understand for Didier Drogba because he's not from England. He won everything with Chelsea. I think it was the it was the right time for him to leave. I think the club should have worked harder to keep him because they would have need need him. But uh, uh, for for John, Frank, and Ashley, I agree that sometimes you know people have to think about you know and I'm talking about the club to, to, to change those players because they're getting older but you can do so as long as you have somebody better or as good as them and so far at Chelsea I'm sorry but there is no better than Ashley called Frank Lampard and John Terry so and this is so important in the dressing room as they are important on the on the pitch right now that if I need to sign him again, if I'm the chairman, I will do because uh, they're important to win trophies. I just don't know where they're going to replace uh, Lampard, particularly Lampard. I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to persuade, pers- change those goals from midfield. It's just an incredible number. Well, that guy is absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit upset because he, he has the same first name that I have that I thought I was I would be the most important Frank in the club history. And Franco Zola. Yeah, but he's a gen. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. So, but Frank. Frank is the real Frank of Chelsea. He's a fantastic player. I really like 
Kim. And uh, don't worry, when they have the big banner that says "We love Frank," you can pretend you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but they, they always put Lampard in his picture, so <laughs> I can't even pretend. But uh, they, they, they're very good player. And again, of course, you can change those leaders if you have others, and that. Uh, that's what I always say. Do you have a better f- than Frank Lampard? Uh, do you have a better player than that at Chelsea right now in the midfield zone? I don't think so. Okay, listen, thank you very much indeed for that. We've heard a lot now, thankfully, about your football career and your acting career. Let's get a view now about what kind of person you've grown up to be, Frank, if you don't mind me saying that. We're joined now by your daughter, Jade, who is uh, an actress and a model herself. Uh, hello, Jade. Hi, how are you? Really good. Thanks for joining us here on Talk Sport. Um, your old man's been going on and on and on for the last couple of hours, and uh, so we, we thought we'd better get an unbiased view, if you like. Um, what, kind, right. what, what, what kind of a man and what kind of a dad has Frank, uh, Frank LeBeouf turned out to be? Well, you know, my dad has always been a wonderful father. Um, he's always been there for us, my brother and I. And uh, now that he's started, you know, his acting career, we can, I mean, I can relate a lot more with him because that's what I'm doing also. And I wasn't big in, you know, the whole football thing and everything it was more my brother. So having him, you know, get into, into cinema and film and all of that really creates a, a nice bond for the two of us. Jay, do you think, um, and Frank said to me, I said, oh, Jay, she's not interested in the football. Do you think it's good that when you have a, a person who's won the World Cup that somebody in the house is not interested in football, I think it keeps them centered and grounded. Yeah, it does. It really does. Because <laughs> you get to see something else, a different kind of view. And um, of course, as you say, he's now joined you in kind of in your world. Um, and it's, I know it's difficult to make a, 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 a sort of objective view. Um, what's your view of him as an actor, though? You know, the first time I saw him acting was the first play that he did in France. And uh, called L'Intrue, and uh, it was very, it was, it was a little bit strange for me, but I thought he was wonderful. He did a very, very good job. He was very real, genuine, and believable. But still, you know, being his daughter and somebody that sees him very often and every day, and growing up with him, it's still a little strange to see him play somebody else. It's it, it's really amazing to hear my daughter because uh, uh, because of course I love her and I'm always pleased to to hear hear her. But uh, do you see, do you hear her English? I feel so ashamed about my English right now, you know, and my bloody French <laughs> accent. And she's such a mature person, you know, that I... And uh, I love you, baby. You're absolutely fantastic. You're a great actress. Thank you, Dad. I love you, you too. You're a beautiful person. You're absolutely fantastic. And on top of it, you speak a perfect English. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> Jade, Jade, actually, actually, when we were talking to Frank about his dad, he was saying, uh, your dad, was saying that he actually thought he was a pretty tough parent, um, but maybe particularly with your brother. Um, that doesn't seem to be coming across in this conversation. Well, that my dad was a tough parent. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he, he was authoritative, and but he wasn't, I, I wouldn't say he was tough. He had a lot of authority. He taught us good values. And, I mean, for me, it's different, you know, because I'm the, you know, the daughter, and the father-daughter bond is always kind of different. And uh, with my brother, you know, there's always this kind of male ego competition <laughs> kind of thing that's going on. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's always tougher when it's a father and a, and a son. Yeah, but, think, you know, they, have, they still have a great bond, though. I think, I think the great playwrights have written plenty of plays about it, too, for both of you to <laughs> act in. Jade, it's been an absolute delight to hear your voice. Um, and your perfect English, though, though she'd been brought up mostly in England. I'm not surprised. You know, you know why I wanted to be at Chelsea, you know, because and I told yeah. you because at the beginning of the show that I wanted to 
for, for my kids to speak English, to be able to speak English, unlike me. And uh, and uh, and when I hear my daughter, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I love you, darling. Jade, thank you. I love it too. Thank you so much. And let me just say that I'm very, very proud of my father and all that all that he's accomplished so, so far. Well, that's, that's very lovely to hear. Thank you very much Thank indeed. You. And there, you see, whatever, whatever, wherever she's brought up, there's the essential Frenchness. Um, you could never imagine two British people or even Irish people saying that they love each other over the radio, um, whereas French people, it's perfectly natural and perfectly normal. And it's very nice yeah. as well. You're a person who's played with some of the best players that I can remember ever. Let me ask you a simple question. I'm expecting the answer, Zinedine Zidane, but you're, so far from what I've learned from you, I'm not always going to get the answer I expect. Who's the best player you've ever played with? So I always surprise maybe everybody, but um, and I always uh, say the same to people who are asking me. It was Mark Hughes. Uh, uh, that guy was uh, absolutely fantastic because, as a person first, but also as a player, he was maybe the f- the, the the worst player on the training ground, but the best player on Saturday afternoon, and uh, and also a big relief for for the defense. And uh, because when we were under travel and the pressure, I was trying to to find him and so uh, strong, and, uh, so strong that he could keep the ball for like twenty seconds, allowing us to go a little bit up uh, on the pitch and. Uh, and score vital goals for us. Uh, the follies. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that, guy, that guy was simply amazing because of his run, the way he was thinking about football, his intelligence. And, of course, you, you think maybe people perhaps don't you know Mark Hughes, but when you think about the clubs he played for, Chelsea, Manchester United, Barcelona. Munich. Mine and Munich. You're starting to, oh, yeah, OK. So people could see he was no, a great No, no, that guy, has, his calves were as big as my thighs. So he was strong and he was a gentleman. That's a fantastic answer. And yeah. that last question, really, you know, you're still a very young man, very fit-looking young man in front of me here. Um, what do you hope for for the future, Frank? That's my last question to you. Well, for myself, uh, uh, simply being happy and uh, healthy uh, and and for the world, I think I, I became Buddhist anarchist. Uh, in fact, you know, I... Uh, I just try to be happy in my life, enjoy my life every day. It's not easy. It's not easy in, uh, on earth to be happy, right? Uh, and to wake up and say, I'm going to try to be happy. And uh, especially in that world crisis uh, that we are living right now. And also, uh, I don't want to be uh, uh, bored by other people. So I said, if you wake up every day and you say, okay, today I'm going to try to be happy and I'm not, bo- not going to bother anybody, I think the world can be uh, much better to live in. You've been listening to an archive edition of Talk Sports My Sporting Life with Danny Kelly. Thanks for listening, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and Spotify for more top Talk Sport content. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.